Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Over the past few weeks, our evolving sermon series has given us much to reflect upon concerning Darwin's theory of evolution and its impact not only on our understandings of the origins of humanity, but its power to shape spiritual communities. And much like the Pentecostal story from the early church that I'm about to share, perhaps you'll find we aren't much different from the early followers as we navigate how to blend science and religion today. Today's scripture is from selected portions from Acts 2, verses 1 through 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? He was so excited. And he had to tell someone. I mean, he was just bursting inside. It was like this energy. And he, he had to have an a, a outsource, some, someone to tell. And so he thought about this person. He thought, I, I don't know how they would react. What about, uh, I don't know what I... And so he had all this energy of this new idea that he had and no one to share it with because he understood that if he shared this idea with other people, that it would radically change the story of life itself. That was in 1838. So for 20 years, Charles Darwin sat on his discovery of what became the evolution theory. 20 years, he didn't tell anyone because he was afraid. An individual captured the essence of this fear and he shared it in this note. He said in 1844, still 14 years before he went public, Darwin admitted in a letter to a friend that he was, quote, almost convinced that species change 
over time. And he described this admission as like confessing a murder. That's the angst that Charles Darwin felt inside. The writer goes on and he says, at another time, he reported having nightmares about being beheaded or hanged for his ideas. Can you imagine living with that inside of yourself? This angst of not knowing what to do? And this would be completely honest. The issue for him was, how would his theory of life fit in with Christianity? How would his idea that natural selection brought us and, and describes who we are today and not the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2? Now, Darwin himself confessed that he believed early on that his theory and theism could actually coexist together. Well, Darwin was right about his theory. Scientists have yet to come up with a better explanation for how we are the way we are, not only as Homo sapiens, but the world as it exists. But where Charles Darwin, I don't think, was right was the idea that his theory and theism, that image of God, could coexist and not necessarily be in conflict. But they are in conflict. Studies were done of students at college, and they were asked if they believed in evolution or not. For those who did not believe in evolution, the number one reason why they did not believe in it was because of religion. It wasn't necessarily they didn't understand the science. It wasn't necessarily they didn't accept the science. But they saw this conflict between Darwin's theory of evolution and a theistic view of God. So in this short time we have together, I want to do three things. Number one, I want to explore the benefits of evolutionary theory for us in the 21st century and the benefits of theism, a particular way of understanding God. Then, our second we will do is we will explore if it is in all way, any way possible to harmonize Darwin's theory and this idea or this picture of a theistic God. And then the final one we're going to do is consider what does the future look like for us? So number one, what are the benefits of evolutionary theory and theism? Let's start with evolutionary theory. Evolutionary theory is continuing to radically change our society. And you have experienced it right now. One of the phenomena that has recently begun to gain more and more steam is called evolutionary medicine. Evolutionary medicine is all about 
looking at why it is we get sick. And then once they determine that, then they turn their attention to how we might be able to prevent and treat illness. Given that viruses, bacteria, parasites are continually evolving and changing, COVID-19. How in the world? I mean, we know there's a ton of coronaviruses out there in wild animal life. But eventually, one of those viruses morphs. And it becomes where it can be transmitted from an animal to a human being. Evolution. COVID-19. We finally figured we got a hang on it, and then all of a sudden, what it ended up doing? Branching off into all these different strains. Why? Evolution. So we came up with a shot, a vaccine, with the hope that that would stop this virus. But yet, it continues to mutate. Here's what's amazing. They just found another coronavirus. 3,000 people. Three of them got sick, really sick from it. Evolution. Our world is continuing to adapt. And evolutionary medicine is committed to studying that phenomenon. But it doesn't only happen in medicine. There is a thing called digital evolution. Digital evolution is what happens when someone hacks into your computer and begins to send out emails in your name. Malware. And what do we call it? Computer virus. Why? Because they get in there and they take that program and they adjust it so that it will randomly change over time and affect the rest of your computer. Evolution. We understand this process of change. Food. Food. Look what evolution has taught us about crops, livestock, the way that we farm today. Evolution is continuing to share with us how the soil adapts, how the new crops and the seeds will adapt to each other. And then finally, the environment. Climate change, it's happening. And scientists are now using the evolutionary theory to try to understand how different forms of life are responding to this change in climate, how they're adapting. Darwin's theory of evolution is making a huge impact upon how we are living our lives right now. So we can't dismiss it. So if on that one side we have Darwin's theory of evolution, what about the other side? Theism. Well, first of all, what's he, what is that? What does it mean, theism? Well, theism is a particular way of looking at God. 
It's that simple. In particular, it believes in a God which is called monotheism, one God versus polytheism, which means many gods. The majority of Christians are monotheists. They believe in one God. But this view of God is such that God is seen as being the creator of life. Immediately, your ears should begin to go, uh-oh. Secondly, this God is seen as a God who will intervene in our world. It's not a distant God. It's a hands-on God. According to Genesis, it's a God who likes to get down and play in the mud. And then the third thing about a theistic God is this is a personal God. This is a God that you can experience. This is a God that you can encounter. This is a God you pray to. That is theism. So what are the benefits of theism? One of the greatest benefits of theism for humanity is a sense of security. Look at how chaotic life is. Look at how quickly life is changing. We want some kind of order in our world. So who do we turn to? God. God gives us this sense of security that ultimately everything's going to be okay. For some people, they outgrow their parents and God becomes their new parent. God will take care of them. And so they rely on this God to be there for them. They have a personal relationship, they say, with this God. And with that comes the implications that God will tell us how we ought to live a moral life. God gives us a purpose in life. And ultimately, the value of theism is when you die, you have a sense of what might happen. So those are the benefits of theism. So when you take the benefits of evolution and you take the benefits of theism, then you go, oh, how in the world can we bring these two together without losing either one of them? So that's our second point, how we're going to explore. How do we harmonize these two? Is it even possible? Well, some, the majority of scientists would tell us, no, it's not feasible. You can't mesh them together. In fact, if you're truly loyal to science, ultimately, you'll end up being an atheist. Now, not all scientists say that, but the majority will come down on that point. So some will say, no. Science rules. On the other side, you have individuals who say, no, theism rules. Our view of God rules. Therefore, science must be wrong. You can't trust science. There's so much more we still don't know. Then there's those who are in the middle and saying, but man, I want both. It's like, I want chocolate ice cream, 
and I want vanilla ice cream. So guess what McDonald's comes with, up with? The swirl. And that's what they're trying to do. Let's bring these together and swirl them together. And they came up what is called theistic evolution. God and evolution together. Now, there's two ways you can look at that. The first one is called supernatural theistic evolution. And what does that mean? Well, think about it. You have natural, so supernatural means there's something beyond nature that must intervene. Guess who that is? God. So in this evolutionary process, supernatural theistic evolution reminds me of that Mary Poppins, supercalifragilistic, never mind. Um, but, but you get this idea that God somehow intervenes in our world during evolution, especially Homo sapiens. Because Homo sapiens need to have a soul. So according to this theory, that's when God intervenes. Supernatural theistic evolution. God breaks at different points in the evolution of our creation and our world. On the other side is pure natural theistic evolution. What God decides is, look, I got a plan. Here's the plan. I'm going to set up these, this, this idea of natural selection. And instead of me creating, I'm going to have a proxy do it for me. And it will be natural selection. Natural selection will decide how the world evolves, and it will operate off of these premises, these ideas, these laws, especially natural selection and natural adaptation. And God says, huh, I'm done. And God just watches, looks at what happens. These are all an attempt to bring God and evolution together. Now, both of these arguments for theistic evolution, they have their strengths and weaknesses. But if we're honest, and if we listen to what science and theologians tell us, more and more they're saying that theistic evolution is bad science and bad theology. And when you try to bring bad science and bad theology what you end up getting is not an ice cream cone, but just of things that just melt together and it looks and tastes terrible. So then what are we left with? What does the future look for us? What do we do if we see the benefits of evolutionary theory and we see the benefits of believing in a theistic God what do you do? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to understand how difficult this is. 
This whole idea of evolution and Christianity, evolution and religion, how challenging it truly is. A Jewish historian by the name of Harari says the following, collective institutional identity, that would include Christianity, is built on story. Ready for this? It doesn't matter if the story is true. It is extremely frightening to doubt the story. In some settings, anyone who tries to is either ostracized or persecuted. It takes strong nerve to question the story. When the group is so invested in the story, they are far more likely to rationalize it, even if it's not true, than to doubt it. So imagine an individual who decides to think about evolution and God. And if they were raised in a particular way to believe that there is a God, and science says, not necessarily, you don't need a God to explain our world, that creates a lot of angst inside, much like what Charles Darwin felt for those 20 years before he wrote his book. Perhaps it's the reason why a lot of people don't even want to think about it. Life is busy. Family, job, friends. Who has time to think about how evolution and God fit together? But it has huge ramifications for how we see ourselves, how we see the world we're living in, how we see other people, and how we view God. What they have shown, you remember I told you about those students who asked about if they believed in God or not? What they have shown is they are willing to explore how evolution and God can be coexisting together. They're willing to do that if they have role models. They need to know that there's people out there who have thought about this. They don't need you to tell them your answer. They just need to know that you've thought about it, that you understand the difficulty surrounding this issue. And then what they need is they need support and acceptance. Because what we're asking them to do is basically to doubt and not only deconstruct an old story, but build a new story. And that is terrifying for people. 
a new way of looking at themselves and looking at life. And they need to know there's other people that have done the same, that maybe don't have the answers yet or never will. They need to know that there's a group of people that no matter what their answer is for them, that they will be there to support them. Even if it means that they end up being agnostic. Maybe there isn't a God. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Maybe that's their answer. But they still have a community that will be there for them. What if, in this process, they become atheistic? And for themselves, they conclude there is no God. Will they still find the support in spiritual communities? Because they wrestled with the intricacies of evolution and God? Will there still be a place for them? In 20, 30 years from now, this issue may end up determining the future of Christianity and other religions. We have an opportunity right now to begin to play with those ideas and to create such a spirit in ourselves that we're willing to help others. And that's when I think about, again, Acts chapter 2 and what we just read. Those individuals had a particular story that they were telling. And then Jesus came into their world and messed it all up. And on that day, whatever it was that happened, I believe they experienced something so real that gave them hope for the future. And they called it the Spirit. I hope that we will have that same spirit alive in us today to be a spiritual community for all people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society